What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Tokenized TV podcast, where I'll be going over analysis and insights of disruption happening in the digital asset ecosystem, along with updating you guys with the most recent news. From the state of the market to decentralized finance to NFTs, utility tokens, all the way to mass adoption, we'll be sure to cover it all here on Tokenized TV. Welcome, everyone, and I'd like to just take the time to thank you all for taking the time to come in and join us to our second space. Since we got a lot of love in our first one, we've decided to make this a weekly thing. And since we talked about the infrastructure and regulations going on, we decided we'll be talking about the utility of these networks today and the value that these digital assets and these communities have behind them. So I'll hand the mic over to Citizens now and he'll say whatever he has to say before we get started. Perfect. Okay. Hey, can everyone, yeah, everyone can hear me. Perfect. Uh, so welcome citizens. Uh, I consider you all citizens of the future because what we're about to cover today is topics of the future. Topics that, you know, mainstream media is ignoring that, you know, they don't talk about the utility behind blockchain. What is it revolutionizing? What is it doing? And they talk about the mainstream hype stuff, Dogecoin, Bitcoin, Ethereum, and then that's it. They don't go any deeper than that. So we're going to take we're going to dive in deep depths of the internet. We're going to cover some topics that you're probably, they might confuse some people, but there's, you know, it's always a start. When you get these seeds of information, you can either research it or you could talk about it. You could learn. Um, so none of this, so I'm going to start off with a disclaimer. None of this is financial advice. You know, this is just research and just ideas from what we've learned and what we've studied. And so take everything as something that you can research on your own to learn and verify. Um, we don't go over prices. We don't talk about prices. We just talk about fundamental utility of the technology. So cheers to all you guys. I consider you all citizens of the future as we're here talking about invisible networks that people from the mainstream have no idea even exist, or they don't even realize that they can move value for a fraction of a cent and settle in four seconds compared to the legacy banking system. So uh, we're going to get started. And uh, Token, you want to start off with the first topic here? No? Okay, well, so the first topic today, guys, we're going to talk about what is the utility behind these networks that make them thrive and survive? What do you want to look for uh, when you're analyzing a utility blockchain DLT network? Yeah, sorry. I was trying to start it off, but I realized my mic was muted. Yeah. But yeah, we're gonna be talking. We'll be talking about what utility do these networks provide, and what allows these networks to survive, which is the utility behind them, and what real-world use cases there are. Because you can make a network, but if it doesn't have any real use case to it, in the end, it really doesn't have a value on it. Exactly. And, you know, you, you can get these networks where they're, they're saying, oh, we're going to pay you, you know, thousand percent APY if you invest in our network, you know, they, they or they blow up all these smoke. They say, oh, we're going to build the next Ethereum. We're doing we're saying all this stuff and we're hyping you up. It's all hype. But there's no actual use case because they don't have a working product or it's, you know, they're they're taking in percentage gains from other people and paying you off until the pyramid scam <laughs> ends. Right. So uh, use case is a very important topic that we're going to get into. And I just wanted to give a shout out to Greg. Uh, Greg, you, I was a part of your uh, quant 
talk the other day and uh yeah yeah he's got some good information so i'm gonna invite him up to speak too because uh he's he know he knows about utility because i'm gonna bring him up here uh because that's one of the topics we're gonna cover today so so yeah so go on uh token all right yeah so um where did you want to first get started off with utility did you want to cover maybe a specific network or just kind of these networks that actually have utility such as quant constellation yeah 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 so let's let's talk so utility of networks so for example quant provides a, a service called overledger their their os their uh, operating system application which allows you to have interoperability between separated dlt networks so as we as everyone knows uh you can't send bitcoin to an ethereum address you can't send ethereum to an xrp address it doesn't work like that it has to be it has to stay within the network and well quant is technology agnostic and it allows you to move value between different layers of different networks and that's a huge utility use case of a blockchain network it's just one example token do you want to cover anything else yeah i guess i could just add on to the value of quant so what quant brings is the whole universal interoperability aspects of being able to connect all our world's legacy systems into this new space of blockchain and distributed ledgers so where people see value in that is when people be as people are beginning to realize that distributed ledgers are going to be a part of our future economies we need a way to allow all these separate siloed networks to speak just like how on the internet we're able to access any site across the world thanks to interoperability well quant is aiming to be the next stage of this for this new layer of the internet that we call we call the regulated internet of value so we're now having so everyone knows what the internet of information is that's what we are currently using today and if you didn't know the internet of information has always had problems sending money because http is hackable it's moving value on it was never good and but with the internet with the regulated internet of value that is the conception where you can move value like you move data today like an email so it's the evolution it's the next level to the internet so we're now going from in, the internet of information to the internet of value where you can move value for fractions of a cent and one day that's going to be all systems all systems in the globe are going to be able to move value flawlessly and cheaply through tokenization yeah exactly so digitization i guess you could say was the first part of the internet of information bringing information digitally into our hands that can be accessed any place across the world tokenization is i guess you could say step 2 of that where we're putting value on we're putting digital value on these assets that we never could have imagined to be traded and access like the ownership of it access on a blockchain so think like 20 30 years ago if someone were to tell you you'd be able to check the ownership and fractionalize the ownership of let's say a house that would have seemed crazy 20 30 years ago but now with this technology we're truly able to split the ownership of any asset think houses cars whatever 
into little fractions that allow for economic inclusion no matter where you are in the world, no matter what your financial status is. Yeah, great, great points. And another good thing about, um, you know, a use case is when you're looking at a network and you're analyzing a DLT or a blockchain, you want to look at the traditional connections. How does it work with traditional finance? You know, you can go pick this random DeFi network and if it doesn't interoperate with traditional finance, one day when regulations come into play, that has a huge chance of dying off because if it doesn't have these regulated connections uh, with trade finance, with banking, with um, companies around the globe that are utilizing it, there's a huge risk that when regulations come in play, they regulate exchanges and the liquidity to these networks just dies off because they you can't get, uh, maybe that's too deep, I don't know, but uh, I wanted to explain that every DLT asset that you're involved in should have traditional connections no that, that was a really good point just because like as disruptive and innovative as we keep preaching this technology is and i fully believe it is it doesn't matter how disruptive it is we're not going to just throw away all these decades of hard work and capital where we spent building these legacy systems on like yes at the moment they kind of suck we shouldn't have to spend i don't know a whole week waiting for a cross-border transfer but at the end of the day, we've spent so much time building out these pro these legacy systems. We can't just toss them out and be like, all right, we're going to start over new in this distributed ledger space. They're going to need to find a way to bring those legacy technologies into this new space of distributed ledgers. And I personally believe Quant will be what does that through their universal interoperability system over ledger. <clears throat> yeah. Exactly. Now, for everyone here in this space, I just shared an image that I created to show you guys what interoperability really looks like. So if you go to the Twitter space there and click that image, it will show you that Quant will allow you. So say if you're on the Ethereum network, if you're on the Bitcoin network, you can transact value flawlessly between two separate networks without having to do anything on the, on the, the front end. So customers don't even know what network they're using but that picture shows how powerful quant is i like to say it is the neurons to the brain of the regulated market 4.0 and because of how they tie in with uh they have a lot of great team players if you go through their linkedin you look at gilbert verdian you look at some of the team members on there they come from high positions and places of power and they're building something great for interoperability for um traditional finance because now think now the the one main thing about quant that i like to talk about is in traditional finance you have banks all over the world that have broken and fragmented systems some of these banks have systems from 1990s that that haven't been updated in years and it's just barely running and there's no technology uh improved like it's just it, it's it's really scary and sad it's, it's funny but what overledger is is a, a a legacy bank can literally type three codes in whatever computer they have. Even if the computers are 10 years old, they put three lines of code and it will open up Overledger, which will allow them to select how they want to send value between what networks. Like if they want to send a Ripple payment, if they want to send Bitcoin, if they want to transact value between Hyperledger or, some, or R3, 
it's all possible with their, the three lines of code and that's all it takes. So check out that thread. I put in together some information that you guys can uh, deep dive, take a look at. And that is a good example that has real world utility that I like to use. Yeah, Quant's definitely one of the uh, few networks out there that are seeing utility and adoption from not just your regular retail clients. Like, you could argue, say, Ethereum's OpenSea NFT is, I guess, ut provides utility for retail clients. But at the end of the day, true utility lies in technology that will change how we go about our daily lives and the way our the way our economy flows and let's be honest trading pictures of monkeys isn't going to benefit our economy all that much with what quant is doing they're allowing not just uh banks but also the healthcare industry is one of the most i guess you could say valuable um industries where health patient healthcare data is the most valuable on the dark web because if your bank, banking info gets hacked, you can change all that at a bank. You can't change your DNA if that shit gets hacked. So what Quan is doing is allowing interoperability between the healthcare systems. Because if you've traveled anywhere and needed medical assistance, you would know just how tedious that process is. Yeah, good points. Because, yeah, like, it, you know, it's hilarious when you travel somewhere and you have no access to your files, like your health files. And they're like, they're trying to assess what the hell's going on with your health. They can't. And, you know, here in Canada, like you can't request, hey, can you, can you send me my uh, my health records? Not because it's it's, uh, it's a process to get secure information because that's where security comes in. And then that's where we're seeing, you know, we secure data pipelines. We're seeing tokenization where if you attach a file to a blockchain and you can send that securely to the other end without it being um, hacked in between or whatever. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, totally. And j just to add to this, um, it it's pretty ironic that we call this whole space the Internet of Information to where it takes so long to even gather your healthcare information across borders or banking information across borders again well yeah with all the siloed systems because you know systems all like companies all over the world have different systems and that's why interoperability is a huge issue interoperability is one of the biggest issues in the world because you have siloed systems you have systems all over the world whether it's in india canada us singapore them talking to each other it's fragmented and then that's where that's why i think quant is a huge solution for interoperability and interledger interledger was another good one uh for interoperability and that's involving with xrp and ripple definitely like uh, until you actually i guess dive into the space and understand the stuff you don't understand just how essential interoperability is for just general technology like to have a fully globalized world where we're all interconnected, that's where in interoperability lies at the core of all that. Yeah. So uh, does anyone now maybe we should just take a couple of quick questions here before we. Uh, yeah, let's move do it on. Yeah. So do, if anyone has a question or want to say something, you want to lay some facts on quant interoperability, put your hand up and uh, uh, yeah, feel free. 
Uh, oh yeah, there we go. We got we got uh, a hand up. Let's see, sir. Crypto came lot. Let's see. Hello, can you hear you? Hey guys, can you hear me? Hey, how's yeah, it going? Hear me? Oh, sweet. Yeah. Yeah. So I Welcome. just really appreciate the space again. Like this is these are awesome talks. Super valuable. I think, um, like I definitely went down the quant, uh, the quant like rabbit hole, and I was really trying to wrap my head around its relationship between things like um, a layer zero like constellation, and seeing how, like, which is the true, or not even the true like um, king of the whole thing, but I just noticed how impressive kind of constellations way of uh, going about their technology in which it's so subatomic that they can provide that interoperability and I was just wondering how like if quant is funneling a lot of their traffic through a layer like constellation to handle a lot of that um, flow and then I was just kind of like wondering about the whole ODAP protocol that they're working on with MIT and how that works in relation to things like Constellation. Okay, uh, let's see here. So Open Digital Asset Protocol, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta find my notes somewhere on my computer because I got so much information between so many different networks. Um, so let me get back to you on that. But so that, so, so DAG can pro, so they, they can clean up the data set. So they take in all this data and they can clean these data sets. So instead of all this big dirty data, you can funnel it down to what exactly they're looking for. And, uh, and then you have your state channels. Um, I'm trying to think how can you compare. So constellation is like the data protection layer. Quant is the interoperability layer uh, to go between the networks and having overledger so quant's big thing is overledger so anyone that with a computer opens up overledger with three lines of code and then that allows them to interoperate between whatever network they want um if that uh if that makes sense yeah that makes sense i, I was just so wondering like about like i wondered if um like hgtp like constellation like everything that was being piped from quant was going to go through like a constellation protocol and then loop back to quant to like secure their little like their um network layer while they're doing all that interop uh, interoperability between networks if that makes sense that's what i was that's how i was just I, kind of like, i've read i've read it. something about that where i think it was uh here one second i gotta open my map here one sec yeah, sorry um, if I'm not making any sense. Like, if no, I'm, no, like, I know what you're saying because that's from the paper uh, Quant and Constellation paper. I'm just pulling it up here because that's why I, I became so bullish on on DAG because it was like I'm like, wow, like it's so abstract and they can validate any type of just information, and that's why I was like so mind blown yeah so that's from the did you want did you read the white paper called an internet for automation with iot and edge devices with the core yeah. network and constellation network yeah i saw that and then i was yeah. trying to wrap my head around their whole odap 
and I was wondering if ODAP was gonna wrapping around the HTTP protocol. And I, I'm so sorry if this is like too kind of like yeah, I don't, I don't have granular. a clear answer. I don't have a clear answer for that to give you something, uh, Grace. So, but I'll, I can look into it later on and then give you a message or something if I, uh, I can think of something. Totally. Yeah. Sorry. Okay. Well. Yeah. No problem, man. I appreciate Thanks, you coming guys. up, and I think we'll go to the next question here on uh, Jose or Hozu. Yeah. Hey, Hozu. Hey, what's going on, guys? Thanks for having me up. Hey. Much. How are you? Yeah. Welcome. Doing good. My first Thanks time ever uh, seeing you guys, but I saw the space up and uh, took a quick look at the profiles before I jumped in. <laughs> but hell yeah. What What do you think? Oh no, it looks like great stuff. Great stuff. Uh, big yeah. utility guy. Um, ever since I started looking into crypto and not just investing, right, but uh, trying to understand what it means for the future. Um, so I like what I saw when you guys put it up. I actually have a little bit of a question. So, <clears throat> sure, we could try and have an answer. Yeah, perfect. So I'm, I'm meeting with a, a congresswoman here in the state of Texas. Uh, it's pretty cool how that opportunity came about. Um, we did the whole John Deaton email or senators and Congress people and just followed up and tried to get a meeting just to discuss what we can do, how we can help to achieve clarity and regulation as far as cryptocurrency goes in the US, you know, because it's just, it's very Sick. ambiguous. Yeah. So we're damn right, man. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, we're just fortunate enough, lucky enough, whatever you want to call it, to be able to get that meeting. So we're meeting with her this week. And, uh, you know, we have a very limited amount of time with her, but she seems enthusiastic and eager to learn uh, from what we gather. She just kind of wants us to teach her a little bit about cryptocurrency because she doesn't know very much. So we have to do a lot in a limited amount of time kind of gauge what you know what she's really looking for um as well as educate her on just like the basics of crypto and given the fact that it's a limited amount of time just so hard to do you know because i spent i don't know hundreds of hours on youtube and on the internet and in twitter spaces and wherever just gathering information every single day and i have to condense that um i do want to promote the education and the importance of cryptocurrency. I do want to touch on how it's going to affect institutions as well as retail. Um, and I was just wondering if you guys had a little bit of time with a state representative or a congressperson, what would be something that you would think would be absolutely necessary to impart on them? Uh, personally, I think the like if i were in your shoes i think what i would do is find all the flaws you can in our current legacy system that blockchain and distributed ledgers do solve and present all that and say hey so while some of you guys are still skeptical on this space here's some of the solutions that this space brings that it can solve that our current legacy system is having a lot of trouble with whether that be faster uh, or instant settlements or like more economic inclusion like there's there's a lot of things i'm sure that i haven't listed that you can probably think of but also just showing that so a lot of times when these uh senators think of cryptocurrencies they only look at these as alternative currencies that aren't the u.s dollar well 
I would personally bring in a lot of utility-based tokens and ones that have ones that are more community-centric rather than like alternative currency. Because as we know, this space has evolved so much from just cryptocurrencies. These we're we're looking at these like crypto assets, digital assets now, where they're not quite forms of payment, but more so a fractionalized piece of that uh, underlying network. Yeah, good, good points. If I had, dude, that's that's really. I just want to say that's really awesome that you have a chance to try and make a difference with a senator. Uh, that's that's sweet. Uh, so I just shared everyone here that's listening. Uh, I just shared two threads that I create. Well, one thread that I created there before there, and it's a beginner's guide to understanding the difference between the terms cryptocurrency and blockchain. So what I would explain to a senator is, I'd be like, look. You've got to look past the mainstream hype of cryptocurrencies because there's a difference between cryptocurrencies and blockchain technology. Blockchain technology is actually the term used in the industry for the evolution of, like, what technology is actually changing industries worldwide. So, if she looks past, you know, the mainstream hype tokens and looking at it as a cryptocurrency, and you say, hey, there's actual use cases, and like in that. Uh, thread there, that beginner's guide. If you go through it, I've laid it out. So it's like what industries are being evolutionized, and then I would also tell her is there are consensus mechanisms out there, there or that are carbon neutral, that don't take, that don't use proof of work, that don't use this wasteful energy consumption. And another good thing is, say, digitalization of documents. So in trade finance. The trade finance industry right now is going through a revolution, where documents. So, ninety-nine percent of trade documents globally are paper, and with paper, paper is time-consuming. It's not. There's no automation. There's no、uh, data points. So, like on some of these bills of ladings、uh, and、uh, trans- transfer records, there's like two hundred. Uh, pieces of information on there that they could be using. Like if it was a digital document, you can get like the the bill bill lading number, the company number. You can get all all companies involved, and you can take that. And when you have a digital document, a computer can read every、um, piece on an invoice, and it can sift through that data. So say. For example, if everything was digitalized in documents in the global trade finance industry, you would have instant settlement. You wouldn't have these huge backlogs because now you're going from having to verify a paper document to having to just scan a QR code, and then that would just literally pull up the document on a blockchain. And、uh, so, yeah, it's it's and smart contracts. So I tell her, be like these blockchains can be used in smart contracts that. Can be which can be a flawless automated system compared to having somebody move hand move paper hands verify the paper etc etc. But、uh, and then I would talk about just like the correspondent banking system. Like I would say the one last thing just to finish it off is sending money using the the cross border wire transfer system. Say when I send money to my family. Say you have a family in Africa or Japan and. Say you're sending money there weekly. Well, you got to pay fifty dollars, and that that money, that transfer, has to take five to seven business days for it to settle. 
And everyone, there's a di- there's a diagram that I just shared that shows you what the correspondent banking system looks like to send a wire transfer payment. And it takes it's slow, and it's expensive, and it has these things called Nostro and Bostro accounts, and these are holding accounts. So the money that moves in these wire transfers has to sit in a Nostro or Bostro account. And that literally is a holding account to make sure that that money doesn't get spent anywhere else. So that solves their double spend problem in the legacy banking system. But that holds, if you think of the bigger picture, if you think about the whole globe and how much trillions of dollars move between countries in that, and there's these Nostro accounts and Bostro accounts that hold trillions of dollars that aren't making any percentages. They're not making zero, they're making 0% interest just sitting there dormant. But if you had a real-time payment system where it was instant settlement on everything, money would be working 24-7. You wouldn't have dormant funds and a high-fee system in the banking system if they moved um, to, a, to a real-time growth settlement on tokenized uh, economies like a central bank digital currency. So I don't know if that answers some of the things. What did you think? Did you think that was decent points? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I um, I love the input. I, I do have, um, there's a small team of us, it's four guys, but we do have uh, like some sources from uh, the World Economic Forum mentioning yeah. digital currencies and their influence in, into the whole um, financial system. Uh, I got some excerpts from ISO 2022, the, the messaging standard, and all of that. Like there's plenty of places where that mentions that uh, it's imperative that we try to learn and understand these this technology. And like you said, was a good point distinguishing cryptocurrency from the blockchain technology, right? Because it's something like yeah. uh, you know, like Ripple has patents and stuff for their technology, and um, definitely the the payment system and the difference between sending something through you know MoneyGram or Western Union or whatever and especially the fees and, and the time that it takes. We're in the borderland, right? So I'm in El Paso, Texas. Sweet. And um, this congresswoman, she's definitely like, you know, pro helping out the border and stuff like that. So, and we have a lot of people that either have made their way across the border into the US through Mexico or some other Southern um, country. And we have people that come over every single day to work and then they cross the border every day back and forth just to work and make money to provide money for their family. Yeah. And make sure you bring up, like stress the points of, of these, these poor families that, you know, if, if they're making only a couple dollars a day and they need to send money to, to their families, well, when they're paying $50 per transaction, that's a huge part of their wage that's going just for a fee. But if you use XRP or you use some of these, um carbon neutral uh networks that interoperate with the iso 222 standard you know you got fee lists that it settle instantly so um yeah i think that's and then i just shared everyone if you haven't heard of iso tc 307 it is another standard so he mentioned the iso 200 uh 222 so but the iso tc 307 standard is a blockchain standard that was built from uh Gilbert Verdian, so they created that standard, and that is directly in relation with uh, Quant. And uh, so, yeah, I shared it. You can take a look in there, and it's it's something that 53 countries are currently working towards. And um, 
some people that are part of that committee is Microsoft, IBM, HSBC, and uh, MIT, UK government, and uh, yeah, it's a, it's a blockchain standard that they're working towards. Yeah, um, we've got a couple other requested speak, or we've got one other requested speaker now. Um, okay, sounds good. And I help? hope, I hope, yeah, Hozu, I hope that helps, Ooh, yeah. man. And yeah, best of luck with that. Man. And yeah, if thank you, guys. Need anything else? Yeah, if you need anything else, yeah, keep us posted, man, and uh, check out my thread of threads because, like, I just post utility content on regulated markets. Like, and I just use regulated documents that I can cite. And uh, so, yeah, so anything in there, feel free to print off, take it to her, and be like, "Hey, check out the TFD initiative," because the TFD initiative uses a blockchain called XDC Network. And if you haven't looked into that, check out the TFD initiative. It's a bunch of huge banks, powerhouses that use uh, a decentralized tokenized economy for settling trade uh, invoices. Perfect. Yeah. Thank you guys so much. I'm going to keep scrolling through all that and uh, take that information and continue to look through it. But uh, yeah, cheers, yeah I'll give this Sounds good, man. Best of luck. Thank yeah. You good luck. Kill it. Represent America. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Quampy, we'll add you as a speaker. Let's go, Quampy. Get it hyped up. Let's hear it. All right. What you got for us? Can you hear us, Quampy? Hi, can you hear me? Oh, I see. Yep, yep. Sorry for trying to speak. I actually was just going to bring up TC307. You beat me to the punch. Uh, I saw he brought up ISO 20022. That's what I figured. Yeah. Uh, but I guess oh, yeah. I could just... Good, great minds think alike. <laughs> great minds think alike. Yeah, I actually think that standardization is probably going to be one of the biggest um, changing aspects. I think a lot more countries are going to get involved and a lot more uh, is going to be written. But, uh, yeah, I guess since he beat me to that, uh, a question I would have, uh, I know Quant is very focused financially with the world enterprise-wise. Yeah. I was wondering if... I don't know if it would be, like, the community's approach for it, but, like, the entertainment side of the world. I feel like when metaverses become a real big thing, that the whole entertainment sign of everything will be, like, digital and online. I feel like a lot of interoperability will be required pretty much between, like, metaverses and a lot of digital items and whatnot. I don't know. I feel like oh. even with uh, Coinbase's yeah, NFT okay. marketplace, I feel like making the NFTs interoperable between chains so you don't have to like pay extreme gas fees and stuff like that. I don't know. I feel like Quant's the solution. I don't know. That's my question pretty much. Would Quant be getting into things other than finance pretty much? Uh, honestly, I absolutely think so. I don't know if that'd be quite as much as the team at Quant doing it. I think that would rely on other SME developers to bridge in these other like entertainment-based networks into the Overledger ecosystem because you don't hear people saying like the Decentraland metaverse or anything. It's always the metaverse. So that would imply that there's only one metaverse and obviously there's going to need to be interoperability for that and quant quant's overledger just seems like the perfect solution for that being a universally interoperable system where it doesn't matter what network or language you program that on you can simply plug that into overledger and 
they all connect together. So yeah, I definitely do think um, the whole, not just metaverse, but the whole even play to earn gaming industry will require other more forms of interoperability that Quant will provide. Well, Quant, we're, we're hoping Quant will provide because a, a lot of it, a lot of interoperability issues we see today are some smaller ones, like where you can't play cross-platform games or anything. And those solutions should honestly be very easily be very easily solved. Hopefully, Quant and Ultra partner up or something. <laughs> that that would that would actually be a really cool partnership. Yeah. Oh yeah, no. Operating I, I, systems are really what I look into mainly. <laughs> yeah. And that's, uh, but no, yeah. Thank you for answering the question. That was really my. Uh, I don't know what I was wondering more so. Uh, like I know Quant has the finance world grabbed by the hands, <laughs> but I wanted to know like will the community be the responsible, or you know it will be up to the community to program basically all the entertainment side and all that. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, I, I definitely think it would be the community because, like, I, I I don't see the team building the bridges for the because they're focused on the big the big head honchos, the big banks, the the big institutions that need interoperability between different systems. And then, you know, when you look at Quant's connections, you know, they're focused around that. But then, the developers will be building the bridges. So, say if it was like Gala, say Gala, if they need like they're built like Gala ecosystem is building bridges with other chains. And then you know down the road if they need to make a, a quant interoperability bridge then they can do that and then they just got to build build the bridge to make it happen all right uh, this is i guess more of an opinionated question uh do you think the community side will eventually be as important not important but um when it comes to value it'll be matching the enterprise side of things you'd say like i think that's a very hard to answer question very hard to answer we'll have to yeah. see where it goes and everything like i don't know all the money in the world's really like you know yeah <laughs> on that side yeah. of the field but i feel like it's gonna kind of you know diverge into you know i don't know how to explain it but no no i i think i get what you're saying and i think eventually we if overledger becomes as successful as many of us imagine it to i think that will happen to where you'll see more, I guess, mainstream developers building out multi-chain applications on Overledger just because eventually that's going to make sense. Why build an application on a single chain when you can build an application that ha can be accessed through any chain or any system? All right. Thank you, man. I don't want to waste any more of your time. Awesome. No yeah, worries. Cheers. Those were some cheers. good points. Oh, thank you. Okay, well. Yeah, so yeah. while we were talking about Quant and bridging in uh other systems citizens would you say we move on to yeah. sdx yeah let's do it so let's talk about next generation exchanges how about that everyone like that topic i think yeah i see 100 i see 100 i see 100 okay let's do it so <laughs> next generation yeah oh, oh okay <laughs> <laughs> sounds good okay well uh let's get started so Everyone knows that, you know, there's so many of these shit exchanges out there. Garbage, you know, little exchanges, they have uh, low liquidity, a lot of sketchy, you know, you got Bitmart, you got all these ones getting hacked and these sketchy exchanges. Well, the next generation exchanges is, you know, when we look at the bigger picture, well, what's going to happen to these crypto markets? Right now, we're still in a gray area, but one day we will see regulations. And the only way that I can see them 
regulating crypto is through the on and off ramps. So regulating exchanges. So we will see a need for a regulated exchange like, uh, you know, LCX and Kraken. You know, Kraken is the United States' first digital bank where they have to hold uh, reserves one to one. But the one thing that I wanted to bring up today is I just shared it in the in the uh, Twitter space here is Swiss Digital Asset Exchange. If you guys don't know who that is, it deserves some research because it is one of the biggest exchanges that's being built um, between Japan, Germany, uh, Switzerland, and uh, it's a cross-continental um, platform for digital assets, digital digitalized securities, derivatives, bonds. Um, it's huge. So I just posted a picture. You could see that. And then if you if you click it, um, I'll just pull this up there. That post was made today below it. It says, don't forget to register to the digital money global markets in the co coming revolution in cross-border settlement webinar. And then they tag Accenture, Quant Network, and Ripple. And they literally tag Quant and XRP. So SDX uses Quant's overledger for interoperability. So that's huge. That's a huge partnership, but a lot of people are sleeping on it. So take the time, do a little bit of research. I'm suggesting into SDX because it's very interesting and in seeing how this next generation ecosystem is being built. Do you want to say anything, uh, Token? Yeah, I'll just add on to like really the importance of SDX behind or just with what everything you said. So this is pretty much the first, I guess, legitimate regulated um, ex digital exchange that's been built from a legacy financial system. So it's definitely something that we're going to want to be keeping an eye on. And especially with them tagging uh, Ripple and Quant, that's definitely something to look at, knowing that these digital, these digital exchanges aren't like a lot of people are thinking oh why don't these governments just build their own crypto networks and stuff well one that is a lot of fucking work but a, a lot of work and money but two it's also it takes away from the whole globalized community aspect of it since now we're back to where we started which is just these centralized networks so they're going to be working with these i guess more private sector um crypto projects that's been built out and that's really where the future value and utility of this space lies, because once they integrate all these regulated exchanges and stuff, they're probably not going to be listing shit like SafeMoon or Dogecoin or Shiba Inu on there. And they're, they're going to be listing stuff that they they understand is regulated and has utility. Yeah, the ones that have connections, because once they regulate exchanges, like look at LCX, for example, if you guys don't know uh, who L LCX is, uh, check it out. It's a regulated exchange from uh, uh, Lechenstein uh, in Europe. And then they've also branched out to America. And But the cool thing about LCX is they don't list Tether. I thought that was one of the coolest things is that they don't list Tether stablecoin. And uh, it just shows that because they got all their licenses, they got everything that they need. Uh, they got low liquidity like i'm not a big fan of the liquidity of lcx um because of some of the trades like sometimes there's a spread of a couple cents different than a liquid exchange but they they have low liquidity due to they have they claim that they have no wash trading and uh so their user base is still building and then that's uh yeah, a little bit about lcx as well
Yeah, no, definitely. To add on to that, I've so being transparent, I personally do hold a little bag of LCX, but being honest, their exchange kind of sucks at the moment just because it's still not quite as known as the your big ones like a Kraken or a Binance. But eventually, once regulations kick in and time time passes, institutions aren't gonna be looking to trade on these unregulated exchanges where there could be potential money laundering and wash trading they're going to want regulated ones where there's kyc to a certain extent and lcx being one of those exchanges that's built literally for institutions to trade on is going to be huge in the future and just to add on to that they're actually pretty much the only crypto network that has ties to the world economic form so just take a moment and think about what that really means yeah yeah the world economic forum recommends them for a fourth generation or uh, fourth industrial revolution exchange and uh, they also have i've seen lcx is also creating uh digitalized stock offerings so stos um and digitalized bonds um on their platform so you can launch a security token offering and uh yeah so yeah, digitalization so. of uh, assets is coming and it's going to be launching on regulated exchanges and you know one day they're going to they're, they're going to uh, uh, tokenize the stocks that we're currently trading like tokenize uh, test I seen Binance did it but then they got shut down for doing it or whatever but like you know tokenizing Tesla stocks Amazon stocks where you're buying tokenized fractionized uh, pieces of it yeah no so The reason it got taken off of Binance is because you're essentially selling an unregistered security on there. Whereas what LCX is doing is they're not trying to jump through loopholes or anything. They've got eight licenses already. So they're they're looking to tokenize assets in a regulated manner where us investors won't feel risk holding these tokenized security assets, knowing that they've been thoroughly regulated and they're going to have sort of a trustless kyc platform to where you they're gonna make sure you're in the proper regulated jurisdiction before you can actually enter these exchanges not these exchanges but certain uh products that these exchanges are going to be offering are you underwater no my my hand was on the mic fuck (laughs) all right uh so while we're talking about exchanges let's talk about uh some of DeFi too because That space is definitely a bit of a mess at the moment, as much potential as that space has been showing over the past year. There's definitely a lot of, let's just say, lack of clarity on regulations in there, where once they kick in, it's very likely that some of these decentralized exchanges and lending protocols will inevitably get shut down just due to the lack of, I guess, KYC and AML. Yeah. So if, if any of you guys are new and you don't know what KYC and AML is, so the problem with DeFi is, so KYC stands for Know Your Customer and AML stands for Anti-Money Laundering. And these are protocols that banks have to do uh, with uh, ID checks to make sure that you're not a terrorist, you're not making money from uh, schemes or in terrorist activities, et cetera, et cetera. So it's a big thing in the banking thing. And so that is how they're going to attack DeFi is with K- 
KYC and AML. And then that's why I'm a big fan of Alliance Block is because they're creating a regulated DeFi because they got a, a KYC AML uh, DeFi network that's interoperable with traditional finance. So if you're involved in a DeFi network that doesn't have ties to traditional finance, then you got to be ready because when regulations do come out and they do shut down these these shitcoin exchanges, then that is a risk that you're taking on because if they if they regulate stable coins and they regulate um, exchanges, then how are you going to ex- how are you going to sell your funds? How are you going to sell your DeFi tokens that don't have uh, those connections? And then that's where the problems come in when regulations come in play. And if you can't sell your stuff, then that's when the liquidity problems come in, and then that's when everything starts tanking. Exactly. It doesn't matter how great of an asset you're, how great of a digital asset you're holding, if you can't sell it. Yeah, I see. Uh, we got uh, Dakota. Dakota, 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 Dakota here. To, yeah. Let's welcome Dakota. Here. Let's get him up here. This guy has. I follow him for his writing tips, and he has got great writing tips. It's helped me improve. So. You want to learn how to write better? Check this guy out. Hey, Dakota. What's up, motherfucker? Um, What's up? <laughs> I'm just curious with the, the DeFi shit. So, how would they shut down a decentralized exchange? Because it's decentralized, would they just target the users, like choke points and shit? So um, I don't think it necessarily gets shut down in that sense, but more so to where they can't be like how how imagine how China is banning crypto overall in general is banning this banning those websites from uh, service providers allowing them, which while yes, you can easily just avoid with a VPN. I don't think they're going to be allowing certain assets that are on those decentralized exchanges to, I guess, be sold on major regulated exchanges. So we could take Uniswap as an example. I don't quite think these exchanges will get absolutely just shut down and banned to where their headquarters close down and everything. But I do think it's going to get to a point where they'll have to integrate some form of KYC and AML into their decentralized exchanges to continue operating in those certain jurisdictions. And another thing like is, you know, I, I know like decentralized exchanges are going to be a hard thing for them to shut down. I don't, I'm not quite sure how they're going to get around it, but like if they somehow regulate stable coins like Tether and USDC and if they then that's where I think the problems would come in. Um, but yeah, it's it's hard to say how they're going to get around it. It's going to be a fight for them. But uh, yeah. I don't have gotcha. a complete clear answer. Yeah, no, no, thanks for contributing. That's good. Yeah. Cheers. Anyone else have any questions or anything they want to say or facts or... Uh, feel free. This is an open community discussion. We're just talking about anything utility. Yeah, if you got anything to add, just hop right up here. Okay, well, no, nope. all right, okay, so that's okay. I guess we can. I got you. To... I got you. I got you. <laughs> all right, uh, let's hear it. Bank of Jamaica or Bank of Jamaica? My bad. They're coming out with their CBD this quarter. Uh, I think it's the first CBD to roll out, right? Um, okay. I believe they're in the TC three hundred seven. 
act with uh, Gilbert Verdian. I believe they're going to be on Overledger, honestly. I think it's like uh, NDA or something, you know. Yeah. But I'm just Sweet. curious also, would we see that effect on, like, the supply? Like, uh, I don't know how you would say. Like, would it show the, I don't want to get into the talk of price, but would it show it, like, diverge from speculation to you can tell it's being used? I would personally say so, yes. If you have a digital network that's being utilized for the interoperability of a nation's digital currency, I would say that goes beyond the stage of speculation now to where it's in its early infancy stages of showing use cases around the world. Only this use case isn't so much of a retail-based one, but more one that's being utilized by a whole nation-state, which should really emphasize that much more power onto it. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, and no, I feel like uh, once utility really takes off, like these cycles that we have aren't going to exist. Um, that it'll be basically based on how well the economy is doing more so well and, and it's going to be like we'll see like once overledger really turns on we will see such a large volume of payment flows through the quant network like for example the fact that there's only two billion dollars in the whole quant ecosystem is kind of a joke when you think of the bigger picture and how many trillions of dollars there actually are moving but then once you start moving value between these networks on overledger and quant network from all these uh you know, we can easily see a couple hundred billion to a couple hundred trillion dollars one day, like, you know, 10 years down the road, the amount of value that can move through there would be absolutely uh, intense. And then that's when you see, because like Quant only has 14 million tokens, right? And then you have supply and demand. And when you have all, like, so if any of you guys don't know, Quant Network, it takes, they haven't disclosed the amount that I have seen yet, but you, for somebody to have a gateway which allows you to interoperate between these different DLT networks, that that bank needs to hold a certain an X amount of quant uh, for licensing to, to to have overledger, and then that can cause that will cause a huge liquidity crisis. And there's only 14 million tokens that will ever be used or ever created in the quant network. You know, supply will dry up super quick. So, I was going to say. Yeah, is um, the more tokens you have um, in your gateway, you can get more traffic or like, isn't there like an incentive to have more tokens? Not Yeah, just, yeah. So you can uh, stake additional quants onto your uh, overledger gateway. And basically what that does is allow more throughput for transactions to go through. Gotcha. Yeah, so it's... Yeah. Everyone's and, gonna... <laughs> as for the pricing behind it, uh, last time I checked, it was $99 per gateway. Whether that's changed or not, I'm not too sure, but yeah. Just, yeah, I thought it was like 99 per like community or, and then it was it's, like. I think it's $99 per gateway to run. And then it's also, you also got to pay that, like pretty much to use Overledger, you're going to have to pay at least $99, whether you want to be a developer or just access multi-chain applications. Gotcha. Thank yeah, you. Okay, so uh, I've seen Silverback. Did you have a question, Silverback? I've seen you requested earlier, but then uh, we got away talking there. Quest again if you did, and then if not, I think we should go on to the next question because we only got a half an hour left here, guys. Uh, so let's just get on with uh, rolling forward.
no more requests if not i guess we could do you want to continue a bit more onto the DeFi space talking about let's say lattice and unison yeah we could do that quick but let's let silver ask this yeah, question and then we'll get on you can talk about lattice exchange lattice launchpad and uh yeah hey guys okay silverback welcome welcome hey, can you guys hear me yeah what's up oh hey 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 great great uh twitter space you guys are putting together um i just wanted i guess to add slash ask a question following up to uh dakota um well on and off ramps be regulated off of those uh decentralized exchanges to kind of you know help with the kyc aml um that's kind of what you know following to to what dakota said also to earlier jesus uh, reaching out to the senator i i know there's a uh, government blockchain association it's a non-profit organization they have chapters all over the u.s um they have a lot of they have a good website out there um i think they're on twitter as well um they they have a lot of good info on how blockchain impacts governments and also um they do have a youtube channel um they had a conference a couple weeks back where they brought in different um uh, senators and municipalities uh government type people talking about how they're working on uh uh working with blockchain how they're trying to implement it via the city or or county or state so i thought i'll share that um Sweetie, yeah, great, great, great points there. Uh, I haven't seen the the government blockchain website, so that's uh, I'll definitely look into that. Yeah, I believe it's um, uh, gbaglobal.org is is the URL. Oh, okay, sweet. Thanks, man. Now that's great contribution. Uh, contribution. Uh, so the thing about the exchange that so the DeFi exchanges, um, I definitely could see. So like it, so I know they're going to regulate the main exchanges. That's how they would attack it. And then I'm not sure how they were going to get in to regulate the DeFi, the decentralized exchanges, or how they're going to do that. Because like we'll see how how things go in these in these Congress hearings, um, and what actually gets uh, what kind of bills get uh, go up and get taken down. Because uh, I know there's a bunch of old people in 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 the in the Congress that needs to get that needs to retire. We need to get some young young people in there that actually have ambition and can understand these technologies. Because like when I hear some of them what they say, and it's like wow, wow, we need an update to the system. <laughs> so go on, the token. Did you have anything to say? And if not, we'll move uh, move on. No, I was just gonna say that those were some really good points you brought up with. Um... It, it's not all governments that are shitting on this space. There's definitely some that are seeing Building. the utility and more willing to adopt this space. But um, yeah, that's all I really had to add. I guess we could move on to part two of DeFi with uh, Lattice Exchange and Unison now. Yeah. So I guess we'll start off with um, Lattice first. So what Lattice is, is um, it's a fully regulated decentralized exchange. So not like your classic Uniswaps or pancake swaps where there's no KYC and you just connect your wallet and you can go. This one is going to have a KYC to where you need to register your, your identity to make sure you're in a jurisdiction that's valid to access these digital assets. 
But on top of that, what makes Lattice a what I consider a next generation exchange is the fact that they're not just offering uh, things that your, I guess, usual exchange would offer trying to compete in this market, such as reduced trading fees or something. What they're doing is allowing. Um, so for anyone who doesn't know what Hypergraph is, it's the uh, network for Constellation Network and Lattice is basically going to be the trademark exchange for that. So any project built on there is pretty much going to be getting support from their launch pads to successfully launch. And it's not just your average crypto projects on there. Like they have something at the moment called the Door Traffic Miner, which I suggest you guys looking into a bit because it's one of the few um, crypto products out there that actually are a tangible product. And I think it's going to be stuff like this that really help drive up adoption in the long term. Having tangible products people can more easily understand than just these invisible networks. So yeah, Lattice Exchange, definitely one of the next generation exchanges that are more likely to thrive and survive uh, after regulations kick in. And then the next one I wanted to bring up is Unison, which is a- yeah, wait, 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 wait. Before we go, I just want to, I just want to quickly mention something about uh, LTX there. Yeah, sounds so good. Lattice, yeah, so Lattice Exchange is built for the DAG ecosystem. If you guys haven't heard of Constellation DAG, do some research into it, but it's a launch pad for any chain that is built on Constellation DAG. So DAG is the index token for their whole ecosystem. And I just shared in there, this is, that is a, uh, I just shared in the space here, a raw information thread. So these are all pictures from my studies that you can go through and it's all information on Constellation DAG and it can show you uh, how they're changing um, like it's a feeless network, et cetera, et cetera. But they could have layer twos that are built on the DAG token. And when they launch, so Constellation only allows um, network networks that have went through their uh, processes to pass to make sure it's not just a pump and dump or a shit coin. Um, it's actually a company that's actually building something of value. And that's what gets launched on the Lattice Launchpad. So it's a, it's a, it's a token incubator or it's a token launchpad for the regulated network Constellation DAG that's partnered with the Department of Defense. So yeah, but yeah, if you want to challenge your brain, check out that thread, do a couple hours of research on some of those things. There's, there's references from papers, diagrams, uh, videos, um, and then XX, uh, you'll see his, his notes in there, and that will give you a gist of what Constellation Network niche is. Okay, so you can go on to uh, ZCX. All right, yeah, just uh, thanks for adding those points about uh, Lattice Exchange. Like, it's definitely one of the more prominent exchanges that I personally am betting to have a stronger future after regulations. But moving on, let's talk about Unison. ZCX, which is another one of these uh, next generation exchanges. And what differs them from the rest of their competition is the fact that they're looking to go beyond just being an exchange to where they'll be offering an incubation system to where any business or entrepreneurs looking to uh, further build their products and services in the space can go through their incubator system. And what makes their incubator system so attractive is the fact that um, their board of advisors is just absolutely next level. So 
we've got Gilbert Verdian up there, which uh, Citizens gave us a whole rundown on of basically what he does. Founder of the ISO TC307 standard, um, member of the Digital Pound Foundation, worked at the US Fed, won CISO of the year back in 2017. I'm not going to go on about Gilbert, but definitely I'll take post a look a, to him. Yeah, I'll post a thing here. Just give me a second. I'll post it in the Twitter space and write up I did on him. So here, just give yeah, me a Yeah, sounds good. But um, yeah, so Gilbert's one of their advisors. And then another one of their advisors, um, Ian Sobieski, he's worked at the Band of Angels for the past 25 years and actually still works there. So for anyone who doesn't know what the Band of Angels is, they're the first ever angel investing group out of Silicon Valley. Sick, I didn't even know that. Yeah, uh, sorry about that. Um, so... Uh, besides just Ian, they've also got Rashida Jaja, of, um, CEO of Alliance Block. So their advisory team is very high up there when it comes to having a strong personnel. So their, incubate, their incubator system is going to provide the support and mentorship from all those guys. But also they're going to be doing this obviously in a regulatory compliant way to where it's not all VC funding, but more so um, a regulated uh public token sale and what the other thing that makes the community aspects of unison so unique is by participating in their ecosystem you're actually rewarded with early access to these projects that they're incubating so they've got some projects um that are they're still an earlier phase project than say your usual DeFi exchange but they're trying to bring in uh, projects that are providing real use cases. So one of them would be Demetra, which is looking to bring blockchain and distributed ledgers into the agriculture industry to make uh, the whole farming, pro the farming and growing crops process more understandable from a farmer's perspective, but to also increase the efficiency and productivity within that respective sector. Yeah. Yeah, especially because uh, because now if people think so, blockchain is more than just a cryptocurrency, right? So blockchain is the technology, and I know somebody wanted uh, me to touch on it is Internet of Things devices and how they interoperate. And I think this is a good thing to t touch on for for the farmers is is because farmers have you know if you're in a greenhouse or your crops, you have so much data that you can get for like when you water your crops um different devices analyzing the temperatures sensors so if you can picture in a greenhouse the sensors detect 24 7 what temperature it has been for that crop to grow and now when you implement a blockchain with these sensors and um internet of things you can track all this data and you can use it to make decisions on hey this crop i just finished growing this crop and you look at all the data that's been tracked on a blockchain from all these sensors, they, 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 they keep track of all their information. And uh, with all these sensors interoperating, you can go through this data and you can see how to analyze to make better decisions on, hey, this one didn't grow very well. Well, why not? You look at all your information and that is a good use case of like blockchain and agriculture um, and farmers. Yes. I think that's good before I go too deep. <laughs> yeah, no, no, totally. Like, uh, I, I guess it probably sounds weird to a lot of us hearing about blockchain disrupting the agriculture industry because we're so used to hearing about technology and finance. 
now we're like going back in time to the agriculture. But we've also got to remember that this isn't just an asset. It's a disruptive technology that's going to be, it's going to allow permanent track tracking of records on just about anything in any industry within the economy. Because right now with um, servers and stuff, we can actually change the timestamps of stuff. Citizen, you want to say something? Yeah, yeah. I just thought of something before I forget it. Yeah, let's is hear Because you said something about a digital twin or whatever, but it made me think is when these farmers, when they sell their crop or when their crop leaves or whatever, you know, you want to make sure, like, you want to track these things in transit. Well, when everything, when these... When this stuff's on a blockchain and each transfer, like say for example, you're a farmer and you're shipping your cocoa beans to the other side of the country or whatever. And if all those invoices, like in the supply chain, if you think about the supply chain side of things, instead of paper, instead of using paper, if you had a block, if you had an invoice attached to a blockchain, at every moment, at every stop where your crop is changing hands, Say it changes hands five times before it gets to the other side. But every time that somebody scans that QR code that's attached to the blockchain for that invoice and it changes hands, it's timestamped. So you now know exactly where your shipment is on its delivery because you have a digital twin that's timestamped on the blockchain all the way through until that crop is in the other person in the buyer's hands and your money's in your hands. So I hope that is a clear picture that I can provide. But yes, but supply chain is going through a revolution from digitalization of documents compared to the paper form. I just wanted to clarify that again. Sorry. No, no, yeah. good. Th those were good points. Um, this is basically going to bring real time and monitoring to another level. So if you thought the technology today brings real time insights just wait till distributed ledgers really get implemented but to add on to um i guess we were talking about DeFi and then moved on to distributed ledgers yeah uh where, where do you want to go from there uh so is there i think so we're getting to the last 15 minutes here everyone um i guess the thing we could say is just to finish finish it off and if there's any other questions that we can one-offs is you know i think we talked about um you know what makes a, a utility network survive so but like what creates value in an economy and communities you know uh so i, I think we could finish off on that and then take some questions to anyone that wants to contribute or uh say some things yeah let's do that do you want to start it off yeah perfect okay sounds good so, Val, so when we're looking at digital economies and communities, um, we want to look at like the value, like what is the application that that network brings? You know, what is the use case of the community and what, what value, like, because, you know, there's so much tribalism. And that's one bad thing about economies. You know, you get these communities, they get tribalistic. They don't really see the bigger picture of interoperability because it's not just one network in these digital markets that's going to succeed. It's going to be a select few network of networks and they're all going to be able to interoperate value. So big things about economies is you want, we want to look at developers, right? Like how many people are developing on this ecosystem? Is it 
and does it provide a use case to the world um and if if an account like if a digital asset community doesn't have a use case well then it's really just a hype pump and dump type scenario where you're stuck in like an echo chamber i guess i don't know is that is that do you want to add anything to that or am i just going off on some random deep tangent all right yeah so as citizens was saying these networks um they only really have real value to them if they provide a utility a utility aspect that makes this world a better place or allows us to go about our daily lives more conveniently in a way and a lot of these networks really aren't providing that at the moment there's only a select handful that are and i really believe that once regulations kick in that a lot of these networks without utility are just going to see a lot of smart money leaving them and flowing into these networks that provide real utility cuz at the end of the day um whether you're an investor or someone that's a developer you're going to want a network that is robust but also provides what's needed for you to build real world scalable applications out onto that's what's going to be valuable not some network that's been super hyped up by mainstream media exactly exactly that's <laughs> that's the scary thing is you know you get all these people they're like dodge coin to the moon dodge coin to the moon. but what what value does it really really bring other than just the hype ecosystem where you know smart money bought their bags you know a year a year ago <laughs> and now they're just dumping on it on the retail as exit liquidity and um yeah so it's so where you got to make sure you're in communities that are actually doing stuff that aren't just hype based hype driven and uh yeah Let's yeah take profits I've... take mad profits yeah all right uh so we've got about 12 minutes left let's uh answer some Hit questions some questions got yeah. okay peeps what do you guys got what kind of things you want to talk about or contribute if not i'm going to share some uh deep stuff here okay you guys want you guys don't believe there's a technology fourth industrial revolution So this guy here that's in this room he's a he's a really smart guy and he does a lot of deep research into mapping out connections that is unseen to the naked eye and I just shared it so these are maps of different companies that are building central bank digital currencies and if you haven't heard the term CBDC that's a central bank digital currency and it's a digital version of cash Um and these are just some diagrams of some of the technology providers, some of the partnerships that he has mapped out and I know some of the cuz like sometimes we go down rabbit holes that are like, "Oh wow, I just spent 6 hours deep diving into this topic and it's like, wow, connection to connection to connection." But just take a look at that. You probably won't understand it, but it's just showing different um provinces in different parts of the world that are actually working on um a digital version of currency for the public and that means that you know the majority of people won't even know that they're they're using the the well it's going to go through a digital banking app and stuff like that but uh it's going to remove a lot of friction in the current system and a lot of fees but uh yeah it's funny you know mainstream media i don't think uh here in canada i've never heard central bank digital currency in a mainstream media thing and it's one of the largest being it's one of the largest technologies at the forefront of the industrial revolution and they're not talking about it why why aren't mainstream media 
talking about digitalization of the supply chain or hey uh the correspondent banking system super expensive and broken <laughs> you know they just scratched their surface dwellers and uh here we are in a deep utility space talking about technologies at the powering the forefront of the industrial revolution but yeah follow that xx guy for some crazy mind maps of how digital asset connections part piece together in that he's very well researched and uh cryptic it's cryptic sometimes sometimes it's cryptic and you got to think outside the box but uh yeah definitely some value in some of his mind maps yeah they're honestly some of the best mind maps i've seen in all of this whole crypto space just um like xx does an amazing job at linking all these connections and really presenting them in a artistic way that is easily understandable and major props to him for that cuz i don't know how much time he spends digging looking for these connections but yeah just uh, ma- make sure to check him out and look at some of these graphs to really understand what's going on behind the scenes and to see what they're not don't listen to what they're saying but look at what they're doing behind their backs cuz they can shit on the space all they want but if we really look at the facts we can see that they're preparing for this next fourth industrial revolution they're working with consortias like hyperledger and stuff looking for ways they won't get they won't fall behind in this digitization and tokenization of the world yeah Yeah, exactly. So uh I just shared another one. There's one of XDC, there's one of Constellation in there to give you guys a look of, you know, like how does Quant and Constellation connect all these ISO 222 interoperable currencies? Uh it's the interoperator. They call it the orchestrator. Um yeah, so check out some of those mind maps. Um and uh does anyone have anything to say, contribute? What do you guys think of today's session? Was it too deep? Did we cover some topics that you liked or does anyone want to contribute? Yeah, any sort of feedbacks welcome. Tell me I suck if you want. That's okay too. I could take the the beating. Looks like we suck that much, eh? No one wants to say anything. Come on, we're all just <laughs> a bunch of anon characters here, guys. Anyone want to No. We got I got 100 I see I see laughing I see everyone's mute everyone's mute my microphone's broken Oh so um I just got is oh, Montana got in this chat yeah so Montana's in this chat he I just saw he shared this with me so um just want to bring this up to everyone's attention so uh many of you guys probably know of the Digital Pound Foundation which we brought up earlier is um a project founded by uh Quant Electronium and Ripple where they're looking to essentially tokenize the British pound which will further take us into this new age of CBDCs. Uh one thing to note that Montana just shared with us is the Digital Euro Association which has partnered with not only Ripple but also the Digital Pound Foundation. And just judging by the name I'm sure you guys can tell very similar mission in the tokenization of currency. So just want to point that out there that um something to look at that's definitely another key connection with this whole tokenized currencies thing that's been happening over these past 2 years and will likely continue to only accelerate. 
Yeah, I, I seen that. That's a really good uh, contribution because I yeah. seen that the other day. And, we finally uh, got a request from uh, yeah, Hozu. Hozu, let's see here. Welcome uh, back, a speaker. Mike is on you. Cool guys, yeah, thank you. I uh, I just wanted to say again, thanks for all the information shared, Silverback. Um, got your message. I've been looking into that. I uh, just wanted to remind everybody, like I said, the reason I jumped in this phase is I took a quick look at your profiles and saw that you guys were about utility and that you understand that it's more than just investing and trying to make some money off some cryptocurrency tokens, right? Some dog tokens and whatnot. That there's so much more than that. Um, and you guys have done your research. Uh, you know, I mentioned the World Economic Forum, the ISO. There's so many standards there's so many countries all over the world that um, for almost 100 years have been trying to develop the best way to do things. And that's where we're headed. Uh, when you see countries starting to try and make their own CDCs, uh, CBDCs, you understand that they could make their own. They could use some of these businesses, these crypto companies that are in place right now with their technology. There could be a hybrid of all those. Um, I don't believe that there's any one coin or token to rule them all. I believe that like there is an overledger, there is an interledger. There's um, they ha some of them have their own specialties that they're going for, whether it's uh, like the E chain and tracking your packages with Amazon and stuff like that, or whether it's retail money and retail or institutional money and, um, you know, a banking coin with XRP. So there's a lot to do. There's a lot of research. Um, I'm definitely going to look through what you guys gave to me. I appreciate it. And I just want to encourage anybody else that's, you know, nervous or scared about all the information out there, just, you know, one day at a time. But do the research, especially if you're going to be putting your money into it and trying to get involved with any kind of crypto or any kind of asset. Yeah, great, great points that you had there. Um, yeah, everyone, you know, this is just a reminder, Boris, we'll get to you up next year. And uh, but yeah, always do your research. Always know before you invest. And you know what? Don't feel like you're behind because you're actually ahead if you're researching utility if you're researching you know if you're looking past the pump and dumps the hype coins mainstream media uh you can go far but it's a day at a time and it's it's about learning stuff that's outside of your bubble and that's how you get ahead because this stuff isn't taught by the tv you won't learn it from watching television you won't it, it literally takes just reading and trying to find education that you can reference regulated documents and if you go the regulated route then you know you're learning ahead of the world um and uh yeah so yeah thanks for those great points uh hozu uh really really awesome and i seen there was rick did you want i seen you had your hand up earlier or rick and boris, boris i think yeah. wanted to add something so if you guys yeah. don't want to add something just put your hand up we'll get you up here Okay, well, that's Rick? okay. Sorry about that. I, this technology stuff, it's a little bit over my head. Um, 
No, man, I just wanted to, hey, uh, Hozu, thanks a lot for, you know, jumping in. Uh, I just want to let you guys know that that he had a, a lot of phenomenal points with regards to that. Uh, one thing that I personally do is I don't really subscribe to, um, you know, hearsay. Uh, I like to go directly to uh, the institutions that are bringing the news, not necessarily the news itself, uh, for example, any sort of news outlets, but like, let's say that they say, oh, the World Economic Forum or the IMF for the BIS or you know the Bank of uh, the Bank of, uh, of England or whatever I like to go directly to yeah. those particular sources for those particular entities to be able to get the information firsthand rather than get secondhand information and at least that way I have validated for my own credibility and for my own sake that the information that they're putting out is true uh, because the information believe it or not is out there back in the day uh, you know a, not necessarily a former conspiracy theorist uh, now we're call, called conspiracy realists. Uh, but, you know, I used to be one of those guys that used to watch C-SPAN. They put the information out there, guys. Um, whether it's, uh, you know, whatever law, whatever policy, whatever procedure, whatever attempt at anything, everything has to be documented. Uh, they leave cookie uh, crumb trails for everybody to be able to find their way home. So uh, definitely... Um, huge on making sure that the information that you gather is from a reliable source preferably uh from uh from the core itself so. exactly and i totally agree with you because like i take all my dot like i go straight to trade finance banking documents i just shared a document on here i think it, it should go up there so like that's an if you guys haven't seen it i did a a, a video on it it's an imf document comparing the blockchain mechanisms uh, for supervisors, those strictly from the IMF, and this was on January 20, uh, 26, 2022. And timestamps, it's a, it's a, I think an hour long video or whatever, but it was a long document, but it literally shows how the narrative is changing because they're starting to attack proof of work for the energy consumption. And like, great points, uh, Rick, I think those are great points on uh, always go straight to the source. Don't just believe these, you know, coin desk or these these uh, um, shitty little news outlets. You always want to find where it came from, verify, because there's so much hopium and hype uh, writers out there that create this hype stuff. And but like, I'm always about straight facts, straight regulated facts, no hype. All right, yeah. Um, th those were really point good points that you guys, both of you guys, brought up too. Um, so it is six oh one right now. So. Maybe we'll just get one more point. Or yeah, we'll get Boris there. To... I think yeah. it was Boris. He was up next there. So thanks for contributing, Rick. We really appreciate that. Thanks for letting me. Thanks. Cheers, man. All right, Boris. What'd you got for us to close it off? Um, well, actually, I had a, I just joined late, so I didn't want this to be like outside of a theme. I, I just had a question about sort of quant and ripple in relation to each other. Is it is it appropriate to ask that? Oh yeah. Oh well, yeah. I'm sure citizens could answer that for you. Okay. And by the way, Citizen, I, thank you so much for all your research. I'm extremely grateful. Oh, um, yeah, right. Cheers, man. I'm glad you can utilize it because, like, I plant those as seeds and I just hope people use it to, like, inspire themselves to research how deep this rabbit hole goes. What you did with the breakdown of the consensus mechanisms and, like you said, how they're attacking proof of work really opened my eyes. I'm very curious to see how this is separate from what I want to ask, but I'm just very curious to see how extreme that impact is going to be on Bitcoin. Because there's a lot of theories that it could just take it all the way down or, or won't affect it much. I'm curious to see how that plays out. Um, 
But I was just wondering about Quant's Overledger and Ripple's Interledger and how they either compete or collaborate or is one, are they going to coexist? Is is one going to beat the other? Like kind of just the relationship between those. I know they're similar, but not yeah. like exactly the same. Yeah. So yeah, I like using both of them for like, those are both the two things that I talk about when it comes to interoperability. So they're both going to succeed in different um, niches. So the thing about Overledger, Overledger is an operating system for banks. So Overledger is a UI and Interledger is more of a back-end interoperability solution uh, for payments. And so Interledger is partnered, if you guys don't know, I'm going to pull up the thread here with Mojaloop. And Mojaloop is with Bill, it's a Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation sub-company. And uh, they're reforming uh, payments in Africa. And they've also creating CBDCs. Um, but yeah, so I'd say the big difference between the two is Overledger has a UI that any banks can use. And Interledger is more of a back-end uh, payment settling interoperability thing. Um, if that makes sense. Yeah, that does. That that helps. And I, so I guess Interledger is just like purely payments. Overledger is just like an overarching interoperability yeah. of value and data. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Sounds good. Sounds like thanks. you got it. Damn right. It's a good question. I really like that. And thanks for contributing and being appreciative. And keep researching, man. That the hole is deep. <laughs> Is there anyone else uh, here? Anyone else that want to say something uh, before we get off? Hey, just one real quick thing. Um, if you guys would please, uh, I know Crypto uh, or Fresh Crypto is on here. Uh, so is uh, Hozu. Um, and, uh, you know, I just want to give these guys props. If you can go on to their Twitter, um, because they've actually secured uh, a meeting uh, this Friday uh, with the staff and executive directors for one of the Congress uh, uh, people for Texas. And um, they, they have an opportunity to be able to bring a ton of knowledge to to somebody that may not necessarily be very knowledgeable with regards to uh how this impacts uh both politics and the community uh so if you guys could go on there they're putting out you know uh letters to john deaton to maybe join for that particular uh meeting if you guys would be kind enough to just retweet and the at john deaton for that that would be fantastic it would definitely help them out um because i am pretty sure that uh you know any any spaces that need to be filled with maybe more information or correcting any misinformation that may be shared uh, that would be uh, we, we i believe they want to get the most credible uh, accurate information out there without necessarily uh spreading any sort of financial advice things of that sort. so if you guys would be kind enough to the uh yeah. it's fresh crypto uh and uh josue aliano and also uh uh sean estrada is on there as well so if you guys could all retweet the requests to john deaton that would be phenomenal thank you yeah for sure we'll definitely be sure to take a look at that give it a retweet and share it because at the end of the day we like our goal is to have this space reach the global adoption that we're all hoping for and become successful and what we need for that is obviously regulations and i don't care where what what part of the space you come from you can come from dogecoin even or shiba india or whatever the fuck but 
at the end of the day, we're all like this is all one space, and we're all fighting for the same thing. So, and that's the mass adoption and regulation regulatory clarity. So we all need to do our own parts in sharing this. Oh, every yeah, is everyone muted? Can you guys hear me? Oh, unmute everyone. Oh, I, I guess I hit the button by accident. Oh. Sorry, everyone. Okay, yeah. Uh, no, but uh, what what I was saying was that we're all one single community as divided as these networks are between like bitcoin ethereum quant whatever we should all have the same goal in mind and that's have having people understand this space understanding the value and realizing that it's not a fad it's not some bullshit get rich quick scheme i mean yes there's some protocols out there that do seem more so like that than a disruptive technology but at the end of the day we just got to remember that yeah. this tribalism shit isn't going to get us anywhere. We need to work as a team. There's enough people trying to go against us in the world of not only regulators, but just retail already. We don't need any more, I guess, division in this space. Yeah. You know, we're all, all the citizens here. Now, why I picked my name is because we're, we got to be citizens. You know, we're talking about future networks and how technology is evolving and the citizens finally need to stick together they actually you know that's why i like sharing my research is because it gives another person the opportunity to go and dive down a rabbit hole and figure out how to make money from uh decentralized networks because anyone with a computer can access these decentralized networks. anyone that has internet and a mobile phone can access these decentralized networks so we're finally leveling the playing field from what only used to be accessible to accredited industrial like in investors at the banks we now as citizens have access to global liquidity pools that was only usually accessible to accredited investors a part of the elite and this is why it's a turning point where the internet of information is turning into an internet of value and that's why i think it's important for the citizens to stick together and say hey support each other instead of divide because how central bankers make all their money is dividing a population and causing a war when there's a war and the population is split up then that is how they can control but when a, when a, when uh, society sticks together and it's united it is harder to uh, divide and conquer so yeah I just wanted to say that and leave everyone with that and then let Hozu or whatever speak yeah, absolutely. Those are some great points to add. So we'll just finish this off with uh, Rick and then Hozu, because I saw you put your hand up, and then yeah, we'll end it at that. Uh, no, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll, I won't take any time away from Hozu. So uh, you, you got it, bud. Thank you, guys. Uh, yeah, thank you, Rick, for saying that. I didn't know if it was appropriate for me to like. Uh, I pinned the tweet on my profile, so if anybody follows me, but I didn't know if it would be appropriate to pin it up here in the space. I know we're about to end anyways. Um, but yeah, Citizen, you said it exactly right. Um, it, like I said, it's not about any one coin or token or anything like that. Uh, this is about, well, especially in the U.S., right? Like, for us, uh, just about unity and getting regulation and clarification. Uh, because a lot of us, like I said earlier, have already jumped in. We're already in the middle of it, and we don't really know where it's going it's all up in the air right it's up to all the powers that be all the authorities in our cities our states our countries to decide how we can use it if we can buy it you know xrp got to this can we even buy xrp anymore what are we going to do with it 
right there in the middle of a lawsuit. But, you know, it's up to us to to work together to do what we can, if that's, you know, going and voting, if that's reaching out to our, our Congress people, our state representatives, whoever it is. It really is up to all of us. And, you know, I'm not, I'm nobody, right? Like, I uh, I just sent some emails to some state representatives and I got lucky. And uh, there's a couple of us, Fresh, uh, Sean, Rick, we're, we're going up and we don't really know what to expect, right? That's the whole reason I came into this space to look for some help. And yeah. ever since I got involved in the, the crypto space, it's been the community that has helped me to learn. There's, you know, I'm not learning this at school, at university, whatever. I'm learning through YouTube, through sp- Twitter spaces, through guys like you who do your research and share it freely for anyone, right? We're just trying to educate and connect. That's all we're trying to do. So you know, yeah, thank you and, guys again and, for having me. Yeah, man. And, you know, it's really awesome to see that you took initiative and you actually reached out and just to do your part. Because if everyone does their part, and you know, like, look at we're not like the 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 XRP lawsuit is now at what seventy thousand uh, people, and we joined. I remember we joined back uh, when there was like ten thousand people, and we got our, our name on there. And uh, it's just crazy to see how things are being mishandled because you know XRP is providing uh, <clears throat> fee-less payments where you can move a million dollars for a fraction of a cent. And it's carbon neutral that doesn't eat up uh, energy. And like there's, so yeah, it's, it's up to us to actually put up a fight so that they don't just take the power of decentralized value away from the people. Because, you know, who says it's right that they get to say what technology thrives and what technology doesn't when it all has a use case that's removing friction from the world. Yeah, no, totally. That was that that was an amazing closing point. And I think we could just end it off at that. If anyone yeah. if anyone has anything else to add or anything, um we'll be hosting these spaces weekly. Um probably week, not every yeah. Wednesday, but we'll let you guys know. But if there's anything else you guys want us to talk about or discuss for our next and future spaces, just send us a DM and we'll be more than happy to bring that up. And this is all recorded. It will be uploaded on our YouTubes. It'll be uploaded on his uh, Spotify. And, uh, you know, if you guys are interested in digital assets, uh, we like posts like our accounts are strictly made for digital assets and uh, uh, sharing information and uh, just getting it out there because, uh, you know, I just I find it hilarious that there's a there's a technology revolution going on out there and the mainstream media is silent. And I've had to learn for the last four years by myself. And I never, you know, I, I use some people on Twitter here and it just it, it points you in the right direction. But it takes research. It takes taking notes. It takes thinking outside your box. But it also takes, you know, looking at the bigger picture. Look at the whole world as a whole and think about how, you know, research the correspondent banking system, research the fees, research um the problems in industries and then start looking at what are the solutions and then that's how you start your desire to learn more is because you're you found a problem and now you found the solutions and then it's like how do i use these solutions to be a passive income or to be an improvement in my life because once you see a problem and you see the solution then you can take action to participate in the revolution 
So I'll leave it off with that. So citizens of the future, citizen of the future out, tokenizer, that was a good chat. I hope everyone got something of value out of this. And uh, yeah, so cheers everyone and have a great night. Yeah, this will be uploaded again on both our YouTubes and Spotify's in the coming days. And we'll catch you guys next time. Peace. Alrighty, thanks everyone for coming. Thank <laughs> you.